This is the Matt Townsend Show. Just bring the honesty and the integrity to the game. Your guide on the side. If we're not wholeheartedly in our relationship, then we probably are always looking for exit strategies. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm Leanna Tan, here to give you some of Matt's best tidbits to help you live healthier, happier lives. I was listening through some different interviews to try to figure out what to play for you guys today, and one of the guests said something that really resonated with me. He said that he and his wife had gotten a lot of marriage advice once they got engaged, but the most common piece of advice was to communicate with each other. And I think we all hear that and we all know that. I could definitely relate because that's probably what people told me the most too. But the problem is we know what needs to be done, but we don't always know how to do it a lot of the time. So what does communication even mean? You know, sometimes we hear advice from people who have studied the topics from books or observed others' reactions. But oftentimes the best advice comes from not necessarily the academic, but just from people who live the principles they teach and who just know stuff through experience. And that's what I really liked about this first interview I'm going to play for you. We're going to listen to two people who don't claim to be any sort of experts or scientists. They're just two people who have been married for seven years and want to share what they've learned about communication through their experiences. Our guests are April and Aaron Jacob. They're the founders of the website. Again, they don't claim to be pros, but they do claim to be married. Seven years. Uh, two beautiful, is it two beautiful boys? That's right. That's right. And uh, the, the cool thing I think about that is you're just like the rest of us. You're not just throwing out a bunch of advice that you haven't tried to live. You're learning as you're going. Absolutely. That's, right. and that's one of the great things. That's one of the great things that, w- that we've really enjoyed is, you know, we're learning through the process. One of the things that we do on the website is uh, we interview couples. We have a, a, a section called our featured couples because we like learning from other people. And, you bet. And there are a lot of great ideas out there, and, and no two marriages are the same. Right. And uh, what works for one couple might not work for the next. So we have really enjoyed being able to interview other couples, some that we know, some that we don't know, and have really learned a lot from them. And getting as many ideas as you can. I mean, really, I love the idea, too, that we're not all the same. Everyone's different, but we need the ideas. We were going over that list of 10 tips to promote healthy communication. We've already talked about you got to think about what you say before you say it. The next one is don't give the silent treatment. Talk about that. Uh, maybe why don't you, Aaron, go, go for that one. What's the big deal with the silent treatment? I mean, it seems well, like for is, a lot of people, it's at least we're not fighting. <laughs> that, that's true. So maybe that is a plus. <laughs> um, this is one area that admittedly I'm not very good at. It's something that I have to make an intentional effort because I think my natural tendency uh, is, is to kind of shrivel up and, and mind my own business. And yeah. I think that that's, that that's really uh, uncommon, especially for uh, males. And so it's something that I really have to work at, but, but I find that just – making the conscious effort to sit down and say, April, there's obviously something on your mind. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm here to, to listen. I'm not going to shut off. It really helps. Oh, yeah. The silent treatment is nothing more than just the opposite of the aggressive treatment, right? So one of us is going to be aggressive and kind of, you know, poke the tiger, and the other is going to just run away. But uh, the silence isn't going to help either, really, because we're not dealing with it. Yeah, I think sometimes um, it's important to maybe take some time to go cool off, especially yeah. if emotion has become heated, right? Right. And you're feeling all sorts of emotions, and you're going to say things that you regret. Yeah. You're not going to be able to explain how you're really feeling or the motives behind what you're feeling. So I think it's good to, to be okay. You know, I'm going to go. I'm going to take a walk. I'm going to go take a bath. Let's talk about this in a little bit, or let's talk about this tomorrow. And sometimes that's hard for the other spouse if they want to talk through things and resolve things right away. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just think you need to be wise enough not to force your spouse to talk and try and be coercive about that. So giving them the time that they need, but but not letting the silent treatment become a regular method of handling conflict where you slam the door, you drive off, you don't talk for two hours, you don't talk for three days, um, and just recognize that that can become a very abusive form of behavior. And so as husband and wife, you can talk about that not being an option in the way that you communicate with each other. Mm -hmm. It will help you learn that there are healthier ways when you're feeling those 
emotions and when you're frustrated. Um, I so love just, that. Just deciding that's not going to be part of what we do. Yeah, and it's and and it's just saying no matter what we are going to address this. If now's not the right time because we're being flooded with emotion, we'll come back to it. But I guess that's the rule: is we always come back, mm-hmm. and we always mm-hmm. we're going to always deal Good with point. it. You also talked about try and see things from the other person's perspective and acknowledge their feelings. Seek to yeah, understand. Oh, we're yeah. It's so important because I think we naturally see people more as we are than as they are. Right. And we see them as what we think is right, and we have these judgments, and we make assumptions, and we can't read their mind. I mean, I think I'm pretty good at reading Aaron's mind, but I'm not, <laughs> and he can't read my mind. Right. So it's important to, to listen, which is another one of our points we'll talk about, um, but to seek to understand and then to repeat back what you're hearing. You know, so what I'm hearing is that you're upset that I was late to that event, and you probably feel like I don't care or that I didn't realize how important this was, and they're nodding their head, yeah, yeah, I feel understood, I feel listened to, and then it's really sometimes not such a big deal anymore. Well, see, and, and that's different, isn't it, than me, than me trying to put the words in your mouth like saying, so it sounds like what you are is just a weak puke that can't handle <laughs> real conversations. Mm-hmm. That's that's what we do instead of listening is I'm trying to kind of mold you into my argument. And that doesn't work, does it? So we really need to be able to explain it the way the other person is really feeling and show them we're getting what they're feeling. We'd have to agree, right? But I can get it. That's cool. The other thing that I think is is important with that is, you know, always giving your spouse the benefit of the doubt. It it can be very damaging to, to jump to conclusions or to make assumptions when you haven't really understood their perspective. And, you know, one of the things that, that I think everybody really yearns for is this desire to be understood. Right. And we want to be able to know that our spouse or our friend, that they really understand us and are comprehending how we're feeling. And when we don't feel understood, we end up reacting, you know, whether that's silently or verbally or with actions. But usually those, those, those gut reactions are probably uh, negative. Yeah. And so uh-huh. I, I think it's important to, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt and fully hear them out. Don't make assumptions. And uh, I think you'll find that most of the time you're really on the same page. Right. You, you know what I can just hear people saying out there, and maybe it's just because of my experience. Yeah, these are all really great ideas, you guys, but you don't know my husband. He's, <laughs> you don't get it because he's really difficult. And, but the reality is, if we're not in the same space, and that's what you're kind of saying, is we got to make the space safe, and we've got to be there, and we've got to make them feel heard before we try to be heard. But if it's not safe, it doesn't matter what you're doing. In the end, if you're fighting or flighting and running away, it's not going to work. Right. You're going to run each other out. Yeah, I, I agree. Think- when you're when you're trying to see things from the other person's perspective, I like to think about your starved um, yeah. stuff, the safety. Do you feel safe in this conversation, this relationship, and trust? You feel trusted, appreciated, respected, validated, encouraged, and dedicated. I love to think about those needs that we have, and you know, your husband may be really hard, and sometimes. Communication, it's just going to take time. It's going to take a lot of patience and a lot of forgiveness and a lot of trial and error. Yeah. And if you as a spouse who recognizes that your husband does not have these skills and doesn't care about these skills, if you can be the strong one and just stick with it, hopefully, eventually, his heart will be a little bit softer and he'll learn from your example at least a few positive communication skills. It might not yeah. be easy, but... That's the cool... That's the rule I always use is um, two heads are better than one, right? So it'd be great if we both could do it, but one is mm-hmm. better than zero. So if I could just get one of us to do it in the right time, on the right moment, at any given time, you know, we got a shot. And then yeah. you you guys have totally influenced me to think about this long term. I mean, you're in your seventh year. So if our in our, if, if our, in our first year of marriage, we committed to just keep learning... And we're eventually going to get this, you know, by the time you're in seven years of continuously learning, reading, studying, working on it, looking at websites and practicing it, we're going to be better. And then by what's great is by our 14th year, you know, when we have teenagers, Mm -hmm. we're going to be even better. 
And by the time, you know, yeah. so th- there, there's time to learn this. It, you, and you don't have to learn it all today and be perfect at it. You just need to be working on it. I think that's a great thing to remember that healthy communication skills, really, they don't come naturally to most of us. No. And I know that's certainly the case with me, but thankfully, these are skills that can be practiced and they can be learned and they and they can be developed. So one of the things that, that we are really trying to do is make sure that we are, you know, a positive influence out there that, you know, we wouldn't want anyone to be discouraged because communication isn't in communication in their marriage isn't quite where they want it to be because right. it can get better. Yeah. And it's not necessarily that it's a, you know, it's it's not like you have to climb a, a huge mountain for it to get better. If we could take practical and rather simple steps, you can see real progress and real improvement. And, and we want to be um, huge proponents of, you know, positivity and, and making little steps that will, that will, you'll see big results from. Oh, and I think that's, that is the key. There, and, and there's hope and progress as long as I think we're learning, right? As soon as we kind of mm-hmm. get entrenched and we start arguing for why we're so dysfunctional, I think that's what sets us up to remain dysfunctional. <laughs> but as soon as if we can stay humble enough to say that there's a lot to learn. And we've had uh, John Gottman, one of the great marriage researchers of all time on the show before, and he's, you know, he's, he's a, a big advocate that it's just today. Just do what yeah. you need to do right now. And right now, if if what you need is a little time out and a little break, let's take it. But let's not just assume we always should. And, to, if, you know, later tonight, if we know we need to engage it, let's just have the courage to start to talk. And if it gets out of hand again, let's pull back. And we, we've got time. Let's just do what we need to do right now. I think that's phenomenal advice. And, you know, and that's from the guy that, you know, knows studies reads about it um let's do this let's take a break i want to come back again we're talking with april and aaron jacob from the website nurturingmarriage.org just an awesome research resource for you to go improve the skills you need and also just kind of get in a community where you can hear what other people are saying what works for other couples the idea is throw as much out there that can work i think so much of this is principle-based and and fundamentally so sound, and then the, the community helps a lot to know that you're not alone. We'll take a break. More when we come back, my friends. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back. I'm Leanna Tan. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We just listened to part of an interview with a couple, April and Aaron Jacob, who shared their knowledge from personal experience on how to improve your relationship communication. And they gave a couple of tips like don't give your partner the silent treatment and try seeing things from their perspective. And I thought it was funny because I was literally listening to this segment while I was giving someone the silent treatment. So I learned a lot. And I actually... I. I tend to go quiet when I'm not sure of the cause of my negative feelings. And sometimes that can be really infuriating to others because they want to fix things right in the moment. But I liked what April said that we shouldn't force ourselves to talk when we're not ready because that's still just bandaging the problem. And I've always felt that way. Well, we can try to talk about things now if you want, but until I've sorted it out in my own head, I don't think that I can be sincere fully. But she also said that you need to communicate that you need some time and some space to think and figure things out to your partner if they are wanting to fix things now. And I've been working on that part. Okay, so now that we've gotten a few tips on relationship communication in general, I wanted to move into a more specific area of communication. And this part doesn't really have anything to do with your vocabulary or your eloquence. A huge part of communicating that's often overlooked is body language. And sometimes you say more with what you do than with the actual words that come out of your mouth. In this next segment, Matt brings in another man with a lot of personal experience, Jeremy Stevenson, and he is going to teach us all about nonverbal communication. Um, we are bringing on our expert, Jeremy Stevenson. We can't give, him too, give you too much information about him, but he's served in the U.S. military. He's had two tours in Iraq. He specializes in military intelligence. And this is what I think is – I think – and he's a school teacher. 
right? Of, yes. Of, of high school kids. Yes. Jeremy, thanks for being here. It's a pleasure. Father of four. Yes. Husband. Uh, high school teacher with military intelligence. That seems like the perfect combination. It's enjoyable. They complement one another. I think every teacher needs to have military intelligence experience. Are you with it, me? It helps. There's a lot of cheating these days. I've, I've been able you to read it like you just get them, don't you? Like a few now and then. And then you go up and you put some move on them and like paralyze them. Uh, no comment. Okay. <laughs> we know he's got a lot of training. Uh, so, Jeremy, this is a big deal because communication is one thing, right? Uh, nonverbal communication, I think we're kind of wired for that, right? If you think about it, we all communicate about – we all have the same you know, image of uh, pain on our face. Mm-hmm. We all demonstrate the same signs of pleasure on our face. I mean we're kind of supposed to get the nonverbal cues, right? Yes. Now, you in the military learned to use these signs as a way to gather data and get the truth. Yes. Tell me about that. Um, Because I I know there's listeners out there who are dying to know if their kids are doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. Well, you have two circumstances that we deal with. One is just interrogation of prisoners of war, folks that have been uh, collected to site where they're suspected as being good or bad, and they have to determine who to let go and who to keep. Um, the other scenario that's a little more difficult is you'll have individuals. One of our main jobs was what we call force protection, where it's either helping protect the Iraqi government and the Iraqi security forces or else our own forces. And so people would come in and share information with us. And uh, whether they wanted a building built or hoping that they were going to be reimbursed I'll for their information yeah. or they wanted to get their neighbor thrown in prison so they could you know, mm-hmm. take over their property. Um, so the real challenge was trying to tell the difference between those who were being honest and those who were just trying to meet their own needs and deceive you. Yeah. And I guess you just don't want to throw a lie detector test on them. Well, the, the challenge with that, and we use those in country, the only ones we could use, they have to be trained like at the FBI level. So mm-hmm. they were very few and far between and getting them arranged was uh, very difficult. And so, you know, of the 50 to 100 people we might work with in a year, we might get authorization to... Uh, do a lie detector test on one or two. And even with that, lie detector tests are based off of people's learned sense of guilt that's associated oh, with being yeah. dishonest. So in a country like Iraq where lying survival, right. a lot of them don't manifest well, in the, the middle same. of a war. Yeah. Well, yeah. and even prior to that with Saddam and the conditions in which the world was there, a lot of folks, you could do a lie detector test and they didn't respond in the same yeah. way. The fight or flight didn't kick yeah. on for the sa- in the I same way that it does for us. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. And they don't even know that. I mean, that's more cultural to that scenario, that situation. Yes. But kind of, have you noticed, um, so you would actually just ask questions, then be looking for certain signs. Yes. There, there, um, I guess you'd break it down into three simple categories. We talked about the verbal stuff. One of the most powerful tools in the military is Everything you can gather on that person in the situation beforehand. So is what they're saying make sense? So that's oh, so step you just one. Kind of, at, you just gather data and then compare what their answers are to that data. The we know all approach yeah. is probably one of the most effective. Where you've collected as much as possible, and they say things, and you can say no, that's not true, and they're like, oh wow, this guy knows. They know. So there's that, and then there's the, the traditional body language of mm-hmm. reading that, and then finally, you know, you'll hear about micro expressions as well as oh you know, okay, because I'm learning how to, to read those. Good. And I mean, it's not like you're going to teach everything that yeah. you'll ever know, and we haven't experienced it, but it might be fun if we could just catch a liar. It is enjoyable. Okay, now times. here's the deal, Jeremy. Somebody in this room, one, two, three, four. Where did Bryce go, the little thief? Oh, is he over there? Five. There he is. Okay. Sorry for calling you a thief when you weren't in the room, but you were in the room and I didn't know it. Um, somebody here stole my pen. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who it was. I really don't. I just know whoever it was was rude. Yeah. And they need to be dealt with. And I don't mind if you deal with them in a very harsh way. The, the Use real, all your skills. The real challenge with that is, um, the I, I'd say the main training I received was during the 2002 Olympics. We brought a lady in that works for both the federal and state government, and she interviews people that are applying for high-profile jobs uh-huh. as well as people that have been suspected of committing crimes. But the big challenge is you have to sit down with each one of these and find out what their normal baseline is. Okay. So what if what they is, don't have anything normal? Yeah, in their that's baseline? the challenge. Because if you don't know what their normal, you guys talked about tone yeah. and pitch and yeah. things like that, or their body language. There's folks that are just nor- naturally nervous yeah. and twitchy. 
So uh, That's Sky right there. <laughs> if they're always putting that off, it, it's looking for a change in behavior pattern. So if they're always locked up, yeah. like crossed arms uh-huh. and everything, and then they start to change, that's, so that's you, a key. So you really have to read them over a little while. Exactly. And then you've got to get in and interview them. Yes. Which we don't have time to do. Exactly. So, so I'm dodging that one. Why don't we just shock them? <laughs> Let's just start shocking them until well, they talk. You know, and that's the thing. I've seen that on Bond. Well, they talk a lot about that, and there's been a lot of controversy is when it comes to, um, you know, the military likes to use the term enhanced forms of interrogation, yeah. other people call torture, is there's that fine line between them telling the truth and then just saying anything to get the torture to stop. Yeah, so you don't know what. So it's a real challenge, and they found... Uh, there was a book that was written a little while ago called How to Break a Terrorist that was mm-hmm. written by a, uh, an Air Force interrogator that worked with the Special Forces in Afghanistan. And his what he wanted to get across was actually building a relationship of trust and uh, using some of those basic human needs and desires of their family and thing like, things like that are much more effective in getting the truth than, a, say, yeah. um, torture or, or deprivation. Well, and it's it's relate. I mean, it seems like the longer you were in that area, the more of these people you knew, the more you studied them. I guess, especially kind of some of the the leaders of the tribes or whatever they called them, or tribal leaders or yes. whatever they called them over there. That would be that's seriously to your advantage. When we we're going to eventually take a break. But when we come back from, from that break, we're going to spend a lot of time about how all of this plays into relationships. Okay. Your most personal ones, your marriage, and that's going to be more fun. But. Um, just okay. Just look around the room, honestly. Uh, you don't have enough data on these people, but I'll just tell you they're scoundrels. <laughs> See, and you would know better. Oh, I know. You would know I their basic pattern of behavior. Well, we've got the new guy, and I don't know. He just looks guilty always. No, he doesn't. He's new. Um, it's got to be Sky, but Sky I know didn't move because he he just kind of always blame me, Matt. Well, it's, I'm thinking it's got to be you, but Why? it's not. Well, I mean, look at him. And then there's always the chance that you just misplaced it, but don't want to accept that. Mm-hmm. Most likely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, oh, Most there it is right there. Oh, my gosh. It's right <laughs> on my computer. No, because I know it's gone. And it was my favorite pen. Not really. Um, then there's, uh, where'd he go? Rob, and I can't see Rob, but Rob is kind of in charge of things. And initially. I don't have time to steal pens. Got a show to run here. Okay, watch him. Well, I know you probably have a lot of Downton Abbey fans out there. Yes. And, uh, you know, there's the instant where he steals, well, hides the dog and then brings the dog back. So, you know, if it's somebody who's trying to move up, they hide it and then find it for you later to make bonus points with you. That, Rob. So, that's whoever's Rob. coming up on promotions. To go down, man. <laughs> interns, possibly, well, that would like to get a full-time job. Yeah, the intern motives. might want some money. Uh, Rob, th- Rob's already as down as you can get. Okay. And, yeah, this is sadly his – this is it. How, huh, Rob? I could, I could – I'm actually finally at a point in my life I could afford to go buy my own pen. Interesting. And Rob, by the way, doesn't use pens. That's He's true. a pencil guy. He's a pencil Pencils guy. all the way. So I'm back to, I'm back to Sky. <laughs> but I know Sky didn't move. But he's got really long arms and they're fast yeah. and twitchy. Who's next in line to replace uh, you? Um, none of them, I don't think. They all want a real life. <laughs> They're hoping to graduate and never come back here again. Understood. Which I think is rude, too. Now, Madison is the second newest, and she's your friend. So you know a lot about Madison. Madison actually has a history of being a jewel thief. A jewel thief. When she was a five-year-old child, she stole a jewel. It was a rock. It was a rock from, like, somewhere in Wyoming. And then she confessed it on the show. So she has a, his, a felonious history. What do you think about that? The fact that she's willing to be honest about it now, maybe she's you know, trying to start anew. Um, I don't know. We or, could get into her dating. Or she's trying to gain, she's <laughs> manipulating by sharing some information, making it look like she's very open and trustworthy so that she, you're less likely to she's suspect She's smart her. like that. Yes. She did take my class, so. Oh. So you've taught her advanced techniques well, to get in. the kids interested in this you got to explain that either it'll help them detect lie to you know people yeah. lying or help them lie better and so <laughs> some some took those well and, nobody told me that jeremy so we're teaching people to lie better hmm. hey it's they're adolescents you got to get right. their interest you got to get them some way and then there's bryce now bryce uh bryce does this thing called the rant he rants bryce has a lot of pent-up emotion 
So you're afraid he might have lashed out? Uh, right before my pen went missing, he was commenting about how many pens had been aggregated in our little pen thing. And let's not forget, I'm, I'm extremely passive-aggressive. <laughs> Great point. That's good. He's got... He's, he's passive-aggressive, and he actually disappeared from the room the minute we started this experiment. That... Hmm. that and he just got a haircut. Does it? Does a story of where he was, why he was gone, match up? Let's ask him. Where were hey, you, Bryce? Where were you? Well, I was just in the corner, just enjoying. Oh, you didn't a, leave? A good sit in the corner of the room. Which corner? Uh, just this one, right over here. But didn't you leave? No. You move like the wind. He could okay. have been avoiding eye contact, you know, hiding so that when it first came up, he didn't have that initial Jeremy, look of shock. Jeremy, you're good, dude. So, Totally. I think that's it. Okay. I'm going to go with it. Huh. Do I go with who's the guy whose idea it was? Or do I go with the guy with the twitchy long arms that never moves? It's not Sky. Sky's so he, disinterested. Here's the real <laughs> challenge to deception. Detection is the lady that taught us to it, again, she dealt with prosecuting and also with – if you're hiring somebody, you can simply go to the person that's hiring them and say, hey, during this interview, they seemed rather deceptive. I wouldn't hire them. But when it comes to the law, you either have to have physical evidence or these interrogation or deceptive and interview techniques are designed to get them to break. And if they don't break, you know, you can have a suspicion, but until mm. they confess or you can find the evidence, it doesn't do you a lot of good. Gosh. And we can't shock them. <laughs> uh, what you do off air, that's up to you. <laughs> Robbie, is it against the policies of BYU communications yes. to shock people? <laughs> no shocking. I think that's in the honor code somewhere. Ah, they're tying my hands. Okay, I know who it is. It is. I'm going to go with the intern. Was it? It was not. Doggone it! You always go with the one that isn't making money. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks, guy. <laughs> Way to go. You finally pull out a sound effect. <laughs> did you hear that? We haven't had a sound effect good. in years. We had, had one earlier on. in the show today. Well, I know, but I had to call for it. <laughs> that was an uncalled for sound effect. So it wasn't? Are you sure? Okay. Who would you get? The other thing to keep in mind is when you accuse people and you're wrong, then you've damaged the relationship right there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so the irony <laughs> is he's brand new. Throwing out the intern, that's good because there's yeah. no relationship. But with somebody you might have to work with for a couple more years, that could be really detrimental. Okay, then we have to go with the one who's obviously already done the crime in, when she was five. Yes. I'm going to go with Madison. But then she could say that you're was being that right? sexist. I guess so. That was Rob with the. <laughs> With the sound, sound oh, yes. <laughs> Go with the thief. Are you serious? Okay. Tell me about this because I to never be thought all you'd fair, do that. Rob took it and then handed it to me. So. Robert Maurice <laughs> Sanders. Are you serious? You're a, cri- you're a criminal. You have a criminal mind. I didn't Thank take you. anything. I was happy to rat her out when it came time to do it. Is this been pretty normal? Then they all start ratting on each other. Well, you know, we get into the world of sexism where they plan it on the female and then... Always, yes, exactly. Yes. I put the victim here. the fall girl. I am the only girl in the room. Did you see victim. how fast Bryce moved away from her after we convicted her? Yes, he distanced he, himself. He couldn't get away fast enough. It's like, it's not like she has, she doesn't have a cold, Bryce. You do. Well, I mean, if you don't want to get, if you don't want to get hit by the bomb, stay out of ground zero. Okay. Wow. That's profound, I know. That's a great... And then guilt by association. See, Jeremy, you're fun. And notice it was the, it was the one that brought you in. Yeah. I had nothing to do with it, just so. Okay. <laughs> okay, we're having fun. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back right here on BYU Radio. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're learning about communication today. And right now we're learning from Jeremy Stevenson about one aspect of communication that is often underrated, and that's the nonverbal part. Jeremy has experience reading nonverbal communication in a military setting, and he told us last segment that there are three different indicators that professionals look for to detect the truth behind someone's statement. 
There's obviously the verbal indicator, so what someone says or confesses, but there's also their body language and their micro-expressions. And professionals look for any change in these behaviors that deviate from the person's normal behaviors and reactions. So to give you a little context into this next segment, I'll just recap that in the last part of the segment, someone stole Matt's pen and Matt was trying to use the skills that Jeremy was teaching about detecting a liar and reading nonverbal cues to figure out which producer in the room did it. And by the way, he was wrong. So let's continue this interview and hear more about what Jeremy has to teach us about different cues we can look for to read the real messages behind what people say. Well, tell so when you go about teaching the kids about how to read people's nonverbals better, where do you begin? Because you don't—I mean, it's complicated. Like you were just saying. Well, it's usually in the unit on biology where they're getting pretty bored, and so we get to um, the senses, and they know about you know the basic five senses, but then we talk about uh, a thing called kinesthesis and just your your inner core's awareness of your arms and legs and how it's a in. Uh, an involuntary process. It's part, you know, you don't think about you can't it. Think and like that one we through. discussed, or yeah. you discussed earlier in it, that unless you're really focusing, it's hard to control your body language. Yeah. And it's really hard to control those things. So, though you may lie verbally, your body is trying to tell the truth, or it's afraid that you might get caught. So, we get into the fight or flight reflex. Hmm. And so, from there, we move into uh, lie detecting. And then I give them just a mini lesson of the uh, lie detecting class that I received back in 2002. And then we show a couple clips from shows like Lie to Me and The Mentalist. Okay. where, And you can see where they're lying. Yes. So um, let's talk about that kinesthesis. Is that what kinesthesis? Kinesthesis. Kinesthesis. Because I'm sitting here talking to you, and our board op, Sky, is bored. Yes. Not B-O-A-R-D, B-O-R-E-D. And he's yawning. Yes. That's his body saying, let's end this show. Or, uh, well, that's the other thing that. is the context <laughs> is uh, – he knowing whether night. he was up all he night. He was up all night so. watching shows. We won't even get into that. But, <laughs> um, so he's tired. And then I fake throw something at him uh-huh. when his mouth is open. And then his body reacts, yes. fight or flight. It's not always fake, though. He's yeah. throwing real objects at me. Well, very small objects. Still real objects. That's called softening, you know, when you you know, he says it. small objects. Mm-hmm. And, well, I mean, it's all Or relative. I toss, or I didn't, but, I didn't yeah. hit him. I, I don't consider like an iPad a large object. It, it was open-handed. It wasn't closed fist, those type of things. But he reacts to it. So you're saying, as we're sitting there talking to somebody, if they're lying, their innards... I'm talking technical. Yes. Their innards are going to kind of give away if they're having a reaction to this moment. They, they say again, and this usually doesn't happen with your boyfriend, girlfriend, or kid, but, you know, in real extreme circumstances when people are being questioned about crimes and things, I mean, they'll lose control of their bladder. Oh, yeah. I mean, they just sweat, temperature goes up, heart rate, all those things. And so if a person understands the basic effects of fight or flight, then they can see if a person's stressed. Now, they might be stressed for different reasons. Right. Just being brought in to the principal's office can make some people nervous. Oh, yeah. So... Again, back to that idea of the baseline. You need to know, are they a, a naturally nervous person? Or are they pretty con- confident? So. so if you see a change from where they are presently when you're talking to them to what they would normally do, then you can bet something's yes. going on. Don't you think most of us just aren't looking for this? I think a lot of us, particularly when it's people we care about, you know, whether it be a spouse or a boyfriend or girlfriend, we don't want to know when they're lying. Yeah. And so, or when, you know, the girl says, well, I would love to go, but I'm busy that yeah. weekend. And they tell us that every week. Yeah. Um, I've got to wash my hair. <laughs> and, and he's like bald. So, and you're like, you don't even have hair. <laughs> If we really want to believe, I mean, if, if we want to be honest, it's a lot easier, but I think we deceive ourselves a lot. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? So I'll even self-censor your readings to save myself. Exactly. Isn't that? That's why this is so complicated, huh? And sometimes we may not want to know, and sometimes, honestly, you just don't need to know. Mm-hmm. And that's why if we had a lie detector at our houses, we'd all be in trouble, <laughs> right? Because we'd be hooked up on everything. So do you like my dinner? Oh, geez. <laughs> I don't know. Let's hook you up yeah, and see. Uh, you didn't like my dinner. Well, you just pause there, which yeah. they say is one of the biggest indicators of lying. Is a pause. You know, when, when people ask you a question, Jeez, if you pause. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, stutter, Because you're trying to come up with either a somewhat honest, not completely dishonest answer, uh-huh. but you're trying to be politically correct or, you know, not end that up on the couch. That is huge. What else? What else should we be looking for? Um. Well... Oh. oh, he's only got, he's just, <laughs> sorry. I thought he had that a suggestion. That is a nonverbal cue that we have three minutes. <laughs> uh, 
you know, a lot of people talk about eye contact. So usually when I ask my students for what they know, they'll mention eye contact. If their eyes go exactly, away. Exactly. If they look away and people get into left, right, up, down, yeah. but generally just a break of eye contact. Yeah. Uh, I found with my children, I've made the mistake of telling them what I look for. So Don't now, do that. now my nine yeah. and six year old will look me straight in the face. Glare. I, I did not hit like, her dad. I did not do that. And then I also told them I know when they start smiling right afterwards, and so they'll try to keep the smile. So they're getting good because they've learned what I'm looking for. Your kids are going to be neurotic. Yes, it's they're not going to. They're going to be in trouble. Well, it's funny because when they're in trouble, they're all like, oh, they both of them are like talking. Okay, we got to be ready. Here comes dad. All right, uh, face straight. I won't rat you out if you don't rat me. Isn't out. that so, amazing? But but just those the, again those changes where you know how they normally act and they talk about a natural yes or a no or not like when your kids like I swear dad yeah. there's no I did it yeah you know the so whole, that's not so natural that's yeah. like more extreme <laughs> exactly the like I, I swear on the Bible or yeah. I, I swear on Susie's life well I was just read ninety anytime they start invoking religion ninety percent of the time that's dishonest are you yeah, serious because people go to that or. When they throw down the race card or the or gender the, card. The girl card that they, or the race card. And if they don't normally do that, yeah, and they, they start they throwing yeah. that Interesting. That's good to know. Yeah. Other one I noticed with my older brother, anger patterning. You know, when they go, uh, there's a natural response when you're accused of something and there's two extremes. One, when they, um, it was entry with Sandusky with his uh-huh. case. When they said, oh, yeah. you know, are you upset with these people that have accused you? He's like, well, no, I'm sure they have their reasons. Somebody that's been accused oh, of sexually abusing somebody would be like, uh, yeah. you know, not no, but you know, yeah. can't say oh, that be on your radio. But, you know, so either being too nice to an accusation or getting really aggressive because that fight yeah. or flight. So I watched my older brother and he'd get out of it every single time. You know, my parents would back off and let him go and, mm-hmm. you know, he'd go on his Some way. create that intensity, don't they, to kind of yeah, blow you back. To blow you back and to scare you. And so then with children, stop. I think particularly that adolescence, that's a really common one. Oh, my heavens. Okay, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with more right here on the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. We're back with the rest of today's Matt Townsend episode. We're finishing up an episode with Jeremy Stevenson, who is teaching about nonverbal communication. He's got a lot of experience with this in a military sense. In the last segment, he taught us about this concept of kinesthesis. It's like a sixth sense. So it's an inner core awareness. And he said that unless you are really concentrating and probably practiced in some sense, it's very difficult to control your body language. And that's why it's so important to understand our own body language and other people's body language because it often conveys the truth of messages we do or do not say. For instance, if someone is deceiving you, there are signs like sweating, loss of eye contact, or if they get defensive or angry or use their race, religion, or gender as a defense, or even if they just respond unnaturally nicely or calmly to a question. So we know that Jeremy has a lot of experience with reading people's nonverbal communication in a military sense, but how does that translate to family life and everyday living? He's going to tell us how these skills come in handy in not only detecting a criminal, but in strengthening your own personal relationships. So Jeremy... Families, how do we use this information with our family? We don't want to, like, create kids that are crazy. Mm-hmm. We don't want our wife to always think we're watching. So how have you learned to use it with your family, with your kids? How do you kind of walk that line? Reading uh, them but not making it a big what, deal all the time. What, communication patterns. My, my wife, um, she jokes that I'm, I'm the woman in our relationship, that I do more of the talking. But uh, she... She has to process information. So when we first got married, when she was up, upset, I would find her in the fetal position on the bed. But, yeah. you know, you don't have to be an expert in any way, shape, or form. You, you know, know something's wrong. That's right. And I would ask her, hey, honey, is everything okay? And she would say yes. Well, you know, what she said and her body position didn't match yeah. up. But And in the beginning, I would push it and uh, ask and ask and ask and ask, and it, it, it didn't go well. So I finally decided to give her space. 
and let her, you know, come back to me. So one, learning how to read your spouse yeah. is one, and then all your kids are different. You know, right. uh, you just mentioned earlier, yeah. uh, one size doesn't fit all when it comes to parenting or communicating with kids. And so learning to read their nonverbal communication and above all, you know, my background's in more of the interrogation, interrogating a criminal or yeah. uh, uh, an enemy of war. And or you, a shouldn't, pen thief. you shouldn't use those, or pen thieves in your office. You shouldn't use those techniques on your kids because no. it, it can go really negatively. But I found with my kids, um, even though I know they did it, making sure there's a confession that comes before I punish them. Yeah. Um, and so that that's a big part because the, well, and use the data, right? Yeah. Use the data. So if you see there's a little bit of a hiccup in the moment, just use that data to know there's something else and yes. then go gather more data or see if, see if they'll give you more information. I have a, if I have time, a quick yeah, sweet do. roll analogy. Yeah. Well, not analogy, I an love example. sweet rolls. So uh, came home from school one day, um, pulled off the tin foil off the sweet rolls, and all the frosting had been eaten off the tops. <laughs> Was uh, Madison over there? <laughs> She was not. Okay. So my oldest son, she barely walked in the door from school, had been gone all day. Um, my <laughs> other two were three-year-olds and would have had to move a chair over, get yeah. on the chair, eat Too it, much work. cover it back up. So just yeah. doesn't match it. So all that's left is my five-year-old. So I know he's the only one that could have done it. Right. And so I ask him. And Did he, he have like glistening, crusted <laughs> no, sugar? They're getting around. better because, again, they know yeah. if there's no evidence. Smart. So, and again, he looked me straight in the face and he's <laughs> getting really good. Just... Dead-eyed, no smile. Yeah. Dad, I didn't do it. So, and my wife's like, "That's all you got." So she called me out. So I had to continue. Yeah. So um, shock him. I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I can't. I can't punish him, even though I know right. he's done it. So later on, I went to him, and you know, OJ wrote a book like, "Had if I'd done it." Yeah, this if is I had how done it, this is exactly so how I would have done. I, I took that from OJ, and I went to my five year old that night. I said, "You know, bud, if it wasn't you, it must have been the twins." Like. How do you think they got the chair over there? You are the devil. I know. And he's like, well, I, I, I helped him with the chair. <laughs> like, you, but you said you didn't know anything about it. And so, oh, again, once you get him. people that crack yeah. that door open a little bit, and I said, I don't think they would have known to put the cover back on. He's like, oh, well, when they got done, they asked me to help him. And then, then it's just like totally done. nonsense. And then you say, hey, buddy, you know, that makes no sense. Then he just breaks down. And Dad, then they break, and me. I'm sorry, yeah, you know. I, and, but, How about the fact that he had, he was bouncing off the walls with so much sugar? Was that, did that ever Well, again, it goes back to that pattern, and he's normally he bouncing off the walls, the so there was no change. That's like Sky. Sky does the exact same thing. Sky, don't pretend like you don't. I'm not denying anything. Okay. Sorry I woke you up. <laughs> um, so, because uh, it really is, I love the quote, who said it? Um, you cannot not communicate. Yeah. So that's what you're saying. Inside, your body is Wants going to, to it's going to validate the truth. Yeah. One way or another. Or it's either going to want to tell the truth or be so afraid that it's going to get caught. Interesting. That so that's it, what you're looking for. Yeah. And then once you see that indicator, then you can kind of dig a little bit mm -hmm. more. Or sometimes you can just know. And not confront it. I mean, we don't have to confront everything. No. But we just, it's just but, good know, data. I, I know this number two is a liar. Mm -hmm. you then know. you set a trap. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> and you mentioned the data thing. My dad would always look at the odometer on the car. And then yeah. we'd come back and he'd say, where'd you go tonight, son? And we'd say, oh, just down to Johnny's. He's like, well, there's 100 miles on the car. Yeah, John, you'd go 100 times. Yeah. And so now we, then we knew after yeah. that, like, if it was usually a setup whenever he asked us questions like that. Isn't so that, that See, does hurt trust, though. My mom would come home... Uh, because we were supposed to turn the TV off mm -hmm. like about four. So when she got home at six, she'd always walk in and touch the TV. <laughs> That's smart. Yeah. It was because my sisters, she couldn't trust them. <laughs> um, I never watched TV. Yeah. Okay. That That's, right. That's why you're pause? on radio. That's why I'm on the radio. Because yeah. no one can see my face or my lies. Was I didn't lying say that. Just now? Was that a lie? <laughs> Could you not read that? I winked. <laughs> I gave it a little, I, I, I smiled like, hey. Um, Okay, tell me this. As we're talking about, uh, let's go like to marriage. Um, it seems like, uh, do, you, do you feel like you can read your wife? Because I mean, you're well studied in this. Do you think she can read you just as well? Just kind of naturally? I mean, you're watching certain things, yeah. eye movement, if she's shifting her eyes up or down. <laughs> you're watching stuff. But do you think she reads you just as well naturally? Um, I think she does after 10 years of marriage and I'm a pretty, I, I communicate a lot. Yeah. So part of it, she doesn't have to cause I just, yeah, <laughs> tell, you just dump. tell her how I, I dump a lot. But, um, but yeah, she, um, I, I, I guess one, 
bizarre answer to that is I, I did have a polygraph once with the military, and they spent the first 30 minutes convincing you that the system worked so that you would believe it, so that you'd act more nervous if you were lying. And in a culture where we're raised to really be afraid of dishonesty right. and guilt and shame and all that, that I think even with my wife, she knows I'm, I try to be an honest person. So I, I can't, I don't lie well. So either I tell her the truth or I just evade her question. And so she's picked up on the evasion. Yeah. So that's where, again, she knows that I'm at least being not totally honest. Mm-hmm. You know. Where else do you see the nonverbals um, like enhancing your life? Being able to understand these, seeing them better. So instead of just kind of being the lie detector, yeah. where else do you see it making a positive difference? Um, as you said earlier, you know, when we, uh, Bryce's little clip, mm-hmm. uh, you know, students come into your classroom, um, players come onto the field, you know, your kids, you're trying to tell them, hey, you really need to do this. You know, what comes out of your mouth better match up with your body language and how you act. So right. you're going to say, well, we're going to talk about really some really exciting day. Hope you pay attention, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I think it helps a lot. If you understand that, you know, you can make sure that the two, are, the two match up. Mm-hmm. And, and then just, you know, identifying people that are genuinely into things. And again, part of that comes back to lie detecting. But, you know, your players that are really dedicated and focused and the kids in your class that really want to participate. Yeah. Or I heard one of our teachers say, he's like, always look for your kids that sit on the left side of the room near the door because they're protecting and they're hiding themselves. And he goes, all my kids, and there's no scientific evidence beyond this one, but he's like, all my kids that have ever attempted suicide or committed suicide, if I let them sit where they want, they sit on the left-hand side because it's further away from my right hand. It's just a defensive posture and position. And so he's used it to identify kids that need help. And so being able to read that kind of thing and the difference between people mistake introverts for shy, but there's a big difference between, you can have very confident introverts. Right, right. And then you have the very shy extrovert, but they don't speak around you because they're afraid of rejection uh-huh. or other things like that. And so I think as a teacher, that's something I, I do consciously, but just because of my background too, I it's just something that comes naturally. And so being able to relate kids differently and and you know whether that's students, whether that's young men, young women you work with, yeah. whether it's your own children, whether it's kids you coach, it, it makes a big difference. Or reading your own boss and uh, you right. know, employers yeah. and people. I got really frustrated with my military, my soldiers. They were all trained in the same thing I was, but they were horrible, horrible <laughs> at like winning friends and influencing people, or even just straight up manipulating. And they couldn't do it. They <laughs> like, like, hey, if I know you hate that guy, but if you just acted like you liked him. Life would be better for yeah, you. Yeah, it would be a little easier. And the, but I don't know how to do that. Like, don't well, what make me do that. <laughs> exactly. And it's so that's powerful. Just though. every aspect of your which life, which is probably one reason why you are such a successful teacher too. Is I mean, it seems like a lot of this is intuitive enough yeah. that if you just are present, watching, mm-hmm. there's a ton of data there that we're missing. Yeah. So I guess the big rule is just tune in. Yeah. And. If it doesn't seem right, it's probably not right. Exactly. And I guess don't lead with calling them a liar, <laughs> like I did. They, uh, that, Sorry. That, can, that puts them on the defensive, Sorry. and so it, it, yeah. it makes it difficult mm-hmm. to get that initial baseline. Yeah, I call them cheaters, not liars. Um, no, that's wrong, too. <laughs> but you just shouldn't – because the minute you make a judgment about it, it's yeah. just data. Like I've just, I just noticed that – that I asked you this question. Like, I, I noticed that the chair thing didn't line yeah. up with the kids, so how do you think it got over there? Then you inquire, and then they'll yeah. give you more data. Yeah. That's what I love about people. Well, and you mentioned earlier just whether you label people verbally or uh, stereotypes cause a big problem oh, with huge. this one. of They've done a lot of studies where just showing attractive and unattractive people right. by our social standards, yeah. and they don't know anything about them, and they say, okay, who do you think committed this crime? And people pick the less attractive person yes. because that's you know, their, well, yeah, their good idea. Looking people Pretty people don't, don't do, that. do those. Right. Yeah. I just totally disagree. <laughs> Oh, that's good stuff. Okay, Jeremy, we're going to wrap it up, but give me one more rule. What's the one thing when it comes to reading somebody, the one thing that makes – that's the big thing. The one thing that makes the biggest difference. What is their baseline and how do they change the way they talk or their body language in reference to a specific question? So it's got to be specific, So as you're talking to them and you hit that one question – and they start to squirm or they look away or they get, you know, their answer changes. That, that's the main thing is if you know what their normal behavior is, and it doesn't mean they're lying about that thing, but they're trying to hide something. They're yeah. being deceptive. That's the word they use is not 
dishonest but yeah. deceptive that they're afraid of sharing something maybe they didn't do anything wrong but they're afraid I love that you know, and they and might I, spill the beans on somebody else I, I love the baseline idea too because we've got to know each other yeah you know what I mean if you don't know each other you're not gonna be able to read them as well yep so you need the baseline okay Jeremy Stevenson uh, appreciate you being here uh, my pleasure. is there a Thanks way they can me. reach you if you have a, just an easy email or something um, or just you know Maybe just they could go through us too. Yeah, but I mean the Tint View, the Tint View website has my email address, Jeremy S dot Jeremy S at Provo dot edu. Yeah, that's your that's your high school uh, email address. What a guy! So it'll filter all those, you know, any yeah. weird ones coming in. That's good. Good luck with that because you can read them spam anyway. email. I won't have to receive those. That's good, Jeremy Stevenson. Uh, so appreciate you being here and all of your insight. Seriously, yeah. very very helpful to all of us. We're gonna take a break. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Wow. So according to Jeremy, reading and paying attention to nonverbal cues isn't just necessary for discovering the bad guys in war. Those are useful skills in our everyday lives. You know, we can inspire people with our body language if we match it to the tone of our voices. We can show others that we care for them or that we're in need of comfort or that we're in distress. We can see when others need help, and we can even use it to tell when people are deceiving us. But I like what he said when he gave the example of his kid eating all the frosting off the cinnamon rolls, that even if you know someone did something wrong, it's important to make sure that there's a confession before there's a punishment. And that will foster a relationship of trust rather than break bonds. So remember what Matt said. You cannot not communicate. It's a part of our everyday lives, whether we like it or not. And one message that I feel passionate about is that communication is more than just talking. I've had people close to me try to solve problems just by talking it out. And although that seems like the right thing to do, just because you're talking at someone doesn't mean you're effectively communicating. I was thinking about this because I was just coming back from a job. I had a voice acting for a character, actually. And I had a script in front of me with words just typed onto a page. And they had absolutely no meaning or life to them until I said them out loud. But for every line the character had... I revoiced it in at least three different ways. Every inflection I made, every word that I stressed, and even the pauses that I made in between words or sentences completely changed the way the message was conveyed and the personality of the character and the meaning of these words. And that's the same with conversation, I think. Your pauses are saying something just as much as your words. You not speaking is telling something to your partner. Your inflection, your tone of voice and timing, as well as the way you move and look at them, is all a part of your message. It's a vital part of relationships and just living in general. But that being said, let's not pretend that it doesn't take a lot of time, patience, and trial and error, like April said. Well, thanks for listening to today's episode, everyone. I'm Leanna Tan, bringing you the best tidbits to help you live healthier, happier lives. Join me again next time for another episode of Matt Townsend.